0: The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family Burkereviews.com Hey everyone, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr.
1: As always, hello, hello.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, as always. Uh, this week, we are going to be reviewing Paris, Texas from 1984 as we begin our month of April theme, which is 80s movies. Uh, so we'll be picking each of us two movies uh, that we've not seen from the 80s, and Paris, Texas was my pick. Um, but before we get into our review, how are you doing, Corey?
1: It's Friday. It's Friday. I should have sang Rebecca Black's song I started to. I'm I'm okay now. How are you?
0: I am all right. It's been kind of a, a tough week. Um but you know, I have the Florida Film Festival tomorrow oh, and shoot. Monday and next Saturday. I'm not going to be able to go as many days as I went last week. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, tomorrow is also my daughter's birthday. Um Happy birthday. officially turning 14. <coughs> Yep, yep. Um, but luckily, uh, the reason why I'm able to go to the festival tomorrow is she has her 8th uh, grade dance tomorrow night. Um, well, it's, I guess it's not 8th grade dance. It's the middle school equivalent of prom. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she, you know, she's going to be gone all day anyway. So I'll be at the festival watching movies. And then Sunday, I think we're going to celebrate her birthday. But nice. we did technically celebrate tonight, too. We had... Uh, subs, Um, I have uh, decided pretty much since Monday, I am a attempting to be a quasi-vegetarian. Okay. Uh, I've only had, I've had chicken twice this week, but both by kind of circumstance that made me, um, well, meat was the best option, but I went with lean chicken, but like, I had uh, a public sub this evening, all all veggies. So delicious it, it actually was I, I was skeptical as I am not a like in my brain I was like I'm putting a salad on a on a bun and
1: anything's better
0: with bread apparently that is true um I did put some hummus on it though to add a wow. little bit of protein and that was that made it really good but um as I'm you know making a lifestyle change and uh I was today's was bad I haven't had sugar um all week either but it's Taylor's birthday so we had a cake and I did have a, only a slice, and a, a smaller slice than I normally would have had. So I feel like I, I was pretty good about it. But nice. But um, I've had some sleeping issues this week. I'm not really sure if it was stress, or if it was uh, if I had too much caffeine on Wednesday. But like I only got like two hours of sleep. Like I, I went to bed at my normal time, but woke up at two thirty and just could not fall back asleep, and I was wrecked the next day, um, managed to get through work, but, uh, and I gave a pretty solid lecture on horror genre, the horror genre, um, despite being sleep deprived, but, um, yeah, it was, it's been a tough week, um, I haven't seen as many movies as I normally would either, because I got wrapped up with some stuff on Tuesday, and then I was so tired on Wednesday that I was not up for watching a movie. Usually I would have watched Paris, Texas then, Um, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to keep up with a two and a half hour movie and then two days later be able to talk about it. So I opted to, uh, to hold off until tonight to watch it. Um, so we're recording this like, like maybe half an hour after I finish the movie. So my thoughts on it are very, very fresh, but, uh, but how was your week, Corey?
1: Long and stressful. (laughs) Still haven't started on that paper. Um, not yeah not from uh not trying um and I've found my articles and I feel like I could go ahead and get started but uh it's hard (laughs) to write a paper with someone else and I'm not trying to like speak badly about her I'm sure she has she's taking more classes than me I think she works so you know I'm I'm just the kind of person where it's really hard for me to start writing. When I start writing, it's good, but I like to have a an idea and, like, a focus. So mm. I'm kind of struggle bussing. Um, yeah, but just a really long week. But
0: When's that paper due?
1: Oh, well, you know, on the 10th, if we turn it in, our rough draft, um, so he can start, like, grading and reading over it and stuff, he'll give us extra points. And I really wanted to do that because I only made an 82 on my midterm um, but I don't think I don't see that happening. Mm. But it's due on the sixteenth, and I'm still nervous about that too.
0: Yeah, I can understand why. Yeah, um, I
1: don't.
0: That sounds pretty tough, but you know, I, I'm sure you can get it get it going. Yeah. Well, um, before we get into our review of Paris, Texas, have you seen anything else this week?
1: Duh. I went and did a thing that I don't usually do. I went to a movie on opening night at our downtown Boise Theater, which I also tried to avoid like the plague because it's usually teenagers that talk the whole time. But I went with my two friends to see A Quiet Place, and it was amazing. It was even better than I was expecting, and I was so hyped on that movie, and I want to go see it again.
0: Yeah, I also uh, I saw it last night as well. Um, I also loved it, and my review is up on burkreviews.com. It's one of my longer reviews. I had a lot to say about the movie. Uh, usually I try to keep it around 400, 500 words, you know, succinct and to the point, but I still feel like I was succinct, but I, I went into a lot more uh, details. Not spoilery, although I did discuss something from the first sequence, which could technically be a spoiler, but it is hinted at in the trailer pretty heavily. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I also love the movie. Um, it's got, it's getting predominantly good reviews. I have, I've seen a few negative That I I am surprised. I mean, we're always we want everyone subjective, and we every opinion can be valid if they make good points. I don't know that I've seen one that I agree with, or that I'm like, okay, I see your side. I have, I had a couple of little issues with some moments in the movie, but nothing to uh, damper my time with it. I was stressed out most of the film, um, in a good way. You know, like I cared about the characters. I was worried about yeah, very much so. Um, and our Go ahead. No, no, please go.
1: Uh, well, I can't really talk about what bothered me about the uh, movie because it's yeah. a big,
0: you know. me, me too.
1: So I, I so we, I think the same thing bothered us then. But um, I think that Jim Halpert brought his A-game. This was his Dirt Pearl <laughs> debut, right?
0: No, and it is not. his it wife,
1: is... Mary Poppins?
0: It, it, Emily Blunt um, was his wife in this movie. But no, uh, this is his third feature film. Um, oh, shh. Talking. And he also directed, I think, three or four episodes of The Office um, in the later seasons. Mm-hmm. But uh, he directed The... So I'm the, a liar. <laughs> well, not a liar. You didn't know. But uh, The Hollers, which was, I think, 2016, oh. um, with him mm-hmm. and Charlotte Copley and Anna Kendrick. Uh, really good. I liked the movie. Um, it's kind of in the same vein as like a Zach Braff film and you know, like the family quirky drama. Yeah. Um, and then he directed something I've not seen. I don't remember what it's called from like a few years earlier, but uh, this is, I think, by far his best uh, outing. Not that Hallers—I again like Hallers, but um, yeah, this film felt—I I had no clue he could pull this off. So,
1: I mm, I want to say something about Emily Blunt as well because there is never a time that I've ever seen her on screen where I feel like she's lying to me.
0: Oh yeah, she's very Holy earnest.
1: Hell. I felt like I was going to cry and ball. And then, um, but did you notice, like, her, still, when she, like, really gets upset, her accent comes out a little bit. And I'm not even mad about it because I think she does such a great job, but I still can't, like, not notice it. I still loved her in this movie, but I just think it's
0: funny. Well, she didn't have to, to talk too much in this film, so that probably helped a lot, too, keeping the accent. Because I was just thinking, I'm like, I don't really remember the accent. And I was like, oh, wait, she didn't really have to speak a whole lot. I know. Lot. I was
1: like oh my god, so this won't be a problem for her, <laughs> and then, yeah.
0: But, um, I also saw a few other things. Was there anything else you saw this week?
1: I watched the first episode of Big Love. Everyone, it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Mm. Let go of your social life.
0: Yeah, I, I did watch some TV, too, because uh, Silicon Valley is back, um, so I'm up to date with those two episodes that have come out so far. And uh, the new Bill Hader show, Barry. Um, I've watched the two episodes of that, and I am very much invested in that show. Uh, it's it's pretty fun. It's very interesting. Um, I don't know where it's going to go from from where it started. Uh, I'm very curious to see how much uh, of the hitman... If you're not familiar with the premise, he is a hitman who's hired to kill a amateur actor. And when he follows him uh, to an acting class, he ends up having to do the class and he gets the case of the acting bug and so now he wants to change professions but you can't always just walk away from a hitman job so it's um I'm curious to see how it's going to play out it's really interesting so far but and I am loving the new season of Silicon Valley so far but uh I watched a few movies since we last spoke um I watched Young Adult uh which I is You a- watch that Jason Reitman, Diablo Cody film, um, their second, uh, collaboration after Juno, and they have obviously Tully out right now, which is not just Reitman and Diablo Cody's return, but also Charlize, uh, oh, wow. Sure. Charlize Theron. I really butchered her name for a second. Um, I didn't dislike it, but I didn't love it as much as I was wanting to. I actually really love Patton Oswalt in the movie though. Um, I watched Mayhem with Steven Young, um, who is Glenn on the walking dead. Uh, again a fun like action crazy movie but not not a must-see by any means um just kind of fun throw it on in the background look up every once in a while to see some craziness and then walk away um a new netflix original that uh premiered at south by and i missed but um kathy threw it on on accident she didn't know it was one that had was on my radar i didn't realize it had come out but it's called first match Um, This is another great example of Netflix failing to promote their movies that are actually good while they insist on promoting the ones that get a lot of hate. Um, You look at the Adam Sandler films they promote, you look at Bright, you look at Mute, unfortunately. I really wanted Mute to be great. It wasn't. Um, But then here comes First Match, and I've seen nothing about it on Netflix. I didn't even know it had came out. And it's a quality film with some terrific performances, a fairly heartbreaking story, but also inspirational. Um, of a female who uh, joins the wrestling team at her high school which is a all boys team um, but she joins the wrestling team to try to gain the affection of her father um, who is recently out of prison but has kind of nothing to do with her but once uh, he catches wind, because he was a high school wrestler he starts taking an interest in her life and um, she, she values him so much that she makes some very questionable choices about her life uh, in the process and um, some terrific performances, though, in the film, definitely worth watching. And and then I already talked about a Quiet Place, but that's it's a little less than normal for me. But I uh, I had a tough week, so that's what happens. <coughs> um, but before we jump into uh, the review of Paris, Texas, I would like to plug our other episodes of the podcast. We had our interview episode with um, Alejandro Montoya Marin um, drop on our Top 5 Movies podcast, and I'd love for everyone to give that a listen, um, Alejandro was a really great guest and has become a friend since that episode, um, really, really, really inspirational, uh, journey I think he's on right now with, um, having been a part of the Rebel Without a Crew, the series, uh, available to watch on Go90.com or Go90's app and the El Rey Network, um, a new episode every Monday until the, the series is out, I am really hooked on the show. Uh, I have to say, I, I can't um, wait for the next episode, and that is genuine. I, I love filmmaking and getting to kind of watch the process, uh, especially the erratic process that they're under, because they have only $7,000 to budget their film. They are only allowed a two-man crew, which predominantly is the director, uh, so in Alejandro's case, him, and then he has one helper. Um, they had a cast in like two hours. I mean, it's, it's crazy what they're doing, and so, watching the journey unfold is pretty compelling. So, um, definitely looking forward to c- continuing that show. But um, the other thing is a bloody awesome movie podcast, which is not part of the—it's uh, not under the umbrella of Burke Reviews Moviecast, but it is part of the Burke Reviews podcast family. Um, that is a monthly podcast that I do with Matt Hudson from What I Watched Tonight and we just dropped our new episode for where we reviewed the big movies from March. Um, so that's free uh, on our site, or you can, of course, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or wherever podcasts are available.
1: Holy heck, you're a busy man. And I'm I, missed...
0: Yeah, you know, I stay pretty active. Um, I'm talking, uh, I'd like, I'm considering trying to do another podcast uh, temporarily <laughs> okay. um, yeah. where we talk about uh, basically like Talking Dead, but with, um, with, rebel without a crew like where we talk about each episode like me and alejandro and then maybe we pull in some of the other directors um that were a part of the show uh that alejandro is still in touch with um just nice. to you know discuss the show a little bit more because i do have questions after watching it because it's a reality show so you're like oh my god what happened there why did this happen or why did you choose to do that like it'd be cool to actually get to like ask those questions to the people from the show um so something we might try to do in the coming weeks although i have a very busy schedule Film-wise, as I mentioned, I have the Florida Film Festival, and then on the 19th of April, I fly out to New York, and I'll be at the Tribeca Film Festival with um, the Burke Review's editor, David Ortega. We're going to be watching um, several films while we're out there, as well as uh, exploring New York, because I got to tell you, Corey, I've been to a few cities. I don't think I've ever been as excited as I am to go to New York. Um, I'm super excited.
1: I really want to go, and my husband's going to have to get adventurous, because... I'll
0: go by myself. Well, it it turns out, too, because I wasn't sure exactly where we would be within the city. And as I've been kind of exploring, uh, we are in Manhattan. My oh. our, our hotel is like 10 minutes walking from Times Square. Um, some of the movie theaters that are a part of the Tribeca Festival are like one's 10 minutes away walking from the uh, Twin Tower Memorial or the 9-11 Memorial. Um, and we're close to like basically all of the touristy things that we could want to do so we're we're looking forward to the trip but we're also looking forward to seeing all these movies that Tribeca's got some really awesome films that um I think will be uh getting some big distribution in the coming weeks including a Martin Freeman um movie called Cargo that looks really really uh, intriguing um a new Ansel Elgore film called Jonathan which has me excited because my name and um (laughs) there's a Ewan McGregor film called Zoe that I'm also really interested in that we're hoping to catch. Um, and with the one uh, that I'm really uh, the new Chloe Grace Moretz, the miseducation of Cameron Post, I think is the name. Um, I might've messed that up, but it's the miseducation of something like that. Uh, very, very excited to get to see that film as well. So there's a lot already that I'm hyped for. Plus the ones that I don't know much about that might really you know, jump out and stand out. It's always the fun thing about going to a festival is you don't know, uh, what movies are gonna just surprise you, and you'll get to be the one who, like, you know, fights for, uh, acknowledgement and whatever. Um, speaking of, real quick, before we get into our review, um, I got to see a film at South By called, uh, Never, Never Going Back, and it's directed by Augustine Frizzell. I hope I am saying her last name right, um, and Augustine, uh, I reached out to her after I wrote my review for the film, and um, she's going to be a guest on Top Five Movies sometime in the summer. And uh, she just she's she was going to do it now, but unfortunately, she just got this really great job uh, directing an HBO TV series, and she's a little busy. So oh, heck, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna actually talk to her closer to the film's wide release, uh, which will be in August. So. Um, I'm really, I'm excited for her, because we were talking about doing the, sh- the show, and then one day on Twitter, I, I saw that she got this job with HBO, and I'm like, uh, holy crap, that's awesome, and I emailed her, and was like, hey, congratulations, that's amazing, and, uh, so I've been getting a little inside information, just, you know, her hectic schedule now, but she is super stoked, and, um, really excited about doing the, the podcast with us, so I'm looking forward to getting to talk to Augustine about her experience with the TV series, and, uh, promoting her movie that is great and i can't wait for everyone to get to see it's like um teenage girls version of friday almost like it's like a buddy comedy that's uh raunchy and excellent and just a lot a lot of fun um man it's it's really great i I very much look forward to everyone getting to see it it is an a24 film as well which we you if you've listened to our podcast you know Corey and i are big fans of a24
1: oh and what was I just watching a trailer, a new A24 film that's coming out about a Catholic priest. Mm. And it's not Ewan. Who's the actor in it? And I was just like, holy heck.
0: I, I think that was before A Quiet Place, right?
1: Um. No, I saw this just on accident. Oh. It came up in my newsfeed somewhere.
0: Oh, I'm not sure. Um.
1: That. Yeah, it looked pretty crazy. But. Now I'm really sad because I can't remember, like, who the actor is in it. But I was really excited about it, so that's me and my memory.
0: Hey, you know it happens. I'm sure we'll think of it eventually.
1: <laughs> in the middle of the podcast, I'll be like, blah blah blah.
0: Well, do you have anything to say before we jump into our uh, talks of Paris, Texas?
1: I don't.
0: All right. Well, let's get through the uh, the logistical stuff, right? So, the film we watched this week is Paris, Texas from 1984, uh, directed by Wim Wenders, written by Sam Shepard and L.M. Kit Carson, which was, I guess, the ad- what it was adapted from. Um, stars, and this is the important thing, Harry Dean Stanton, Natasha Kinski. Yeah, hmm Seriously. Natasha, I think it's Natasha Kinsky. Um, That's what I thought. Dean Stockwell, who I haven't really seen anything but Quantum Leap, and it was really cool <laughs> okay. seeing him in another role. Um, Rory Clement and Hunter Carson, um, those are your big cast, is it is a very, it's small in some ways, but super large in other ways, and just to read the plot synopsis, Travis Henderson, who is, uh, Henry, Harry Dean Stanton, an aimless drifter, uh, crud, who has been missing for four years, wanders out of the desert, and must reconnect with society, himself, his life, and his family, um, I didn't know much about this movie other than I've heard, uh, since Harry Dean's pa- Harry Dean Stanton's passing, I, it's the movie that everyone keeps talking about because he this is his starring role. Um, he is the lead, and I've heard uh, great things about it. So I went in knowing very little about the plot, um, and when I saw that it was two hours and 25 minutes, I was like, ooh, that's, that's pretty long. Um,
1: Keep doing that to ourselves.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes it's it's very, very worth it. Uh, and usually I think I say, Corey, what would you think? But I'm going to start. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, it's, a, it's a slow burn, but a very well-structured slow burn. Like, once it, you know, kind of, even the opening shots, in fact, the cinematography in this film in general, I was really blown away by, and that's not something I always notice. Uh, now, I didn't have the Criterion Collection disc, but I rented it from Amazon, and it was the Criterion Collection. Digital print, apparently, or at least it used the Criterion cover. But I was really also impressed with the look of the film because it's 1984, but it didn't. It wasn't grainy. It was very, very smooth, uh, qu- you know, print, which made me believe it was a Criterion, you know, remaster because it just looks so good. Uh, cinematographer is by uh, Robbie Mueller, who apparently worked with this director Wim Wenders a few other times. I read a article after I finished the movie, um, kind of trying to clarify some thoughts I had and some questions that I had, but. Um, Harry Dean Stanton's amazing in this film. Um, I love the opening sequence where we see him like in the middle of the desert with a red hat, but wearing a pinstripe suit. Uh, it's the, it's kind of the image that if you look this movie up, it's the first thing that I always saw. And it's, it's striking. It's a very memorable opening sequence of our character. Um, and there are several shots in the film where I just love the composition of the, the, the framing and, um, the look of of the, the set and everything is just really really cool movie, um, heartbreaking at times, heartwarming at other times, um, always kind of compelling. There's an air of mystery about the the film throughout, and um, I was very satisfied with the ending. And I overall am positive on the movie. Um, what did you think, Corey?
1: Um. I really, I liked it. I don't know how often I'll watch it. Mm. Um, I was intrigued the whole time. I wanted to know what was so awful.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Because, you know, they like, and I don't want to say like string along, like it's a negative thing. Like they're just not like satisfying your like movie watching experience at all because that's not what it is. But I genuinely from the beginning when we find out who he is, that he's been missing for four years, you know, what was so bad that he's, you know, does, he supposedly has amnesia.
0: Yeah, um, he's an unreliable narrator in that way, is that he doesn't seem to be, he slowly pulled back from the brink of non-existence, essentially. I mean, his brother Walt, who is um, Dean Stockwell, uh, starts to get him to start to be human again, because when we first meet him, he doesn't speak at all. Uh, he passes out from heat stroke heat exhaustion um dehydration for sure and we see him in a doctor's office and he won't speak to the doctor the doctor thinks he's mute um and there is a a key element with the opening conversation with the doctor but I'm not gonna say it because if I point it out now I feel like it's a spoiler even though it doesn't reveal anything here it's a it's foreshadowing something later um so I'm not gonna mention it here but I will mention it uh in spoilers, but, um, sorry, but you're you're still, uh, I guess, giving your initial commentary.
1: Um, I think that that will do for now because okay. I want to ask you a question and I want to know what you remembered because sometimes I miss foreshadowing. I'm not very, you know,
0: mm-hmm, very good mm-hmm. with
1: like that stuff.
0: All right, so Corey and I uh, are both positive on it. I sound a little more excited. I do want to comment though. I also don't know that I would. Go back to rewatch the whole movie. There are scenes in this film that I would love to just rewatch, um, some later, some early, and I think also when if I was teaching this, uh, showing some of the cinematography because I do think there's a lot with the composition of the the shots that are just fantastic, and um, even like the the desert sequences are really beautiful. But there's a scene where he's he walks a lot in the beginning of the movie, and you see him walking through this field and the, just. The greens popped so much to me. I don't know what it was about the grass, but it was just so vibrant and full of life, which was very uh, different than when we first meet him, where he's in the middle of the the desert and it's just dirt and rocks. Um, and it, I really, it just struck me. And I don't always uh, do that with aesthetics. I, I like aesthetics, um, but I don't always they don't always stand out where I want to mention them or talk about them. And in this case they are, and it, it might be that that's where I'm at now with my movie watching after, you know, almost three years of a lot, a lot of movie watching that I'm starting to to uh, care more about the, the look of shots and things that maybe before were just a part of the whole now I'm seeing those pieces and that could be the case, or it might just be that this film is exactly what I'm saying, It is. it just stands out, it just looks so impressive that that's why it's why I'm talking about it, but mm-hmm but with and that, I feel like... Oh, go ahead. Giving,
1: oh, just... We've already said it's from 1984, but I think that given, um, you know, when it was made to, like, it... Mm, I'll talk about some scenes later that I really liked aesthetically.
0: Okay. Well, then, Corey, I think you need to give a spoiler warning.
1: Guys, if you're like us and you haven't seen this film from 1984, <laughs> um, <laughs> go watch it and come back and give us a listen. If you don't care about spoilers, full steam ahead, but you've been warned.
0: You know, I wonder if uh, they did a like anniversary screening in um 2014 because that would have been re- i think seeing this on the big screen would have been really cool because well, just, of how great the cinematography is so
1: just six more years and there will be another you know hopeful <laughs> but,
0: which is if they didn't do one it's more likely they will now since he's passed um oh
1: well wouldn't 2019 be 25 years
0: yeah maybe they'll do one t- and then we need uh, to talk to some people i don't think it's 25 though. i think it's 35
1: Oh shizzle, I can't count.
0: It's okay. Um. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um I can't I, add. I know because Star Wars' fortieth anniversary was last year and that's 77. Oh. So <laughs> it's it's easy Fair for enough. me to, to work around that. Um But uh Alright, so why don't you start? You said you wanted to ask some questions about some things.
1: So I wanna know what the the foreshadowing from the doctor? Yeah.
0: Um when he's talking to Walt on the phone, he calls uh you know, Dean Stockwell's character, Walt, and he's asked, saying, you know, uh, like, we learned that it's his brother and that he's not talking, and he asks him if he was in an accident. And Walt says, not that I know of. And then it said, he says something like, someone really did a number on him. So oh. it's, we're, okay. we're under the implication that he has some kind of injury uh, that's noticeable, scars or something, right? But they never tell us what it is. We don't see it. We never see anything. Um, It's not till the end of the movie with the probably the best scene in the movie is the monologue uh, back and forth between um, Travis and Jan um, or Jane. Excuse me. Um, And he while he's telling this story as a third person, he's telling uh, Jane the story as though well she doesn't know it's Travis telling the story when it starts, but he's telling their story to her and it takes a little while before she starts to get it and then she gets it and then she finally gets it but uh, he says that he wo- he woke up and there were blue flames all over the sheets and he ran through them to get his family but they were gone and oh, um he his arms were on fire and he dropped on the ground on the wet ground and put him out but my understanding of those two things are that he has burn scars on his arms Um, And that's what the doctor was referring to. That's what I'm thinking. Um, We never see his arms. He always wears long sleeves. Uh, And it didn't seem like a metaphor when he said that. And I'm pretty sure she set him on fire because he tied her to the stove. Um, And she got out. She grabbed her son and I think tried to kill him. And that's what set him on his four-year-long journey, this trek, um, where he appears to have lost his memory for a little while there. Um,
1: but I wonder if he's really lost his memory, or he just doesn't want to think about it and talk about it. You know what I mean? If he's yeah, just,
0: It, it sounds you know, like a repressed amnesia. memory. Um, yeah. Which, there's, there's, like, I've heard of things of, like, self-induced amnesia and uh, repressed memories from traumatic situations. And it could be that he's, because he's mistreated himself, we get the impression that he is not sleeping. And, and so... That could be, like, you know, almost uh, a form of insanity that's set in because he's not resting properly, he's not eating properly, he's just wandering.
1: Barely surviving from being hydrated. Correct. Um, So, do you think that he is punishing himself, then, since he's out in the desert?
0: For sure. There's definitely a part of him... um, He takes responsibility a few times in the film for the things that went wrong in his life. Like, he's not... He's not bitter. Um, Even when he meets her... Uh, when he finds her late in the film, he never seems angry towards her. He seems broken, and he, when he tells the story, he talks about his uncontrollable desire to be with her, and then when he wasn't with her, he started feeling jealous. Um, He's... Not, ugh. Well, and that's we,
1: problems.
0: Well, we learn the huge age difference. He never says how old he is in the movie, but she's supposed to be 17 or 18 when they meet. And so she's
1: like twenty five at
0: the end of the yeah, film, and he Six, looks sixty, you know, or so. Um, maybe I'm being a little too harsh. Maybe it's fifty, but I know he was ninety. He was like ninety two, right, when he died this year. Yeah, I think so. So I mean, you figure forty years, he was fifty or sixty, right? So, um, he was much older than her. So there is that. Maybe I'm I'm way out of her league, like, or she's way out of my league. I guess is what I mean. And, um, that jealousy just kind of comes naturally with that paranoia that, what is she doing with me? Why is this beautiful woman with me? Um, and that ultimately drove him to being what sounds very abusive. Like, you know, they don't go into specifics, but he, he put a cowbell on her ankle, he says, and then she learned how to muffle that. And then, um, when he caught her muffling it, he tied her to the stove, like, there's a lot of abuse happening between these two characters and...
1: He's become an alcoholic.
0: Yes. Um, it's, it's a tragic, uh, element to the story but, um, you know, that's, that's only really one small part of the tragedy. The big tragedy is they have a son together and the son's life has been disrupted by their, their inability to be functional. Um, when they left, the the mother sends their son, Hunter, to live with um, Travis's brother and his wife. That's uh, Walt, we've already mentioned, but his wife's name is Anne in the movie, played by Aurora Clement, um, who's French, which uh, plays a major factor in the film because she keeps kissing Travis. And it makes me, like, not like romantically <laughs> kissing, but like on the cheek, on the head. It's like, okay, we're in America. We don't do that. That's um, how
1: I greet all of my
0: friends. Oh, is it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> kidding. Okay. I was going to say, you must have amnesia. No, well, okay. I wasn't sure. My mammy is French, and she kisses everyone on one cheek. And, and yeah, I,
0: cheek. I mean no offense to the culture, but it does... Yeah. I am a person who's not even really a fan of, like... You don't
1: even like to hug. Yes, exactly. Like hug.
0: I'm not a big physical That's greeting. a little
1: offensive to, offensive to me. <laughs> like, like, I just came from the complete other corner of the United States.
0: I will hug. I just, you know, okay. it's, it's always... It's a little awkward for me. I, I am a more of a fist bumper. Um,
1: also, also, because he talks about Paris, do you think that that plays, like, it definitely, you know, she's French?
0: I think that is a, a major factor, although he's talking about Paris, Texas, um, which is the name of the film, but not ever a city that we go to, Um, but it is a, uh, it's definitely a metaphor for the character. Oh.
1: I thought that they did end up at the lot when he let – when uh, – what's Dean Stockwell – Walt lets him drive the car. I thought that they ended up there, but maybe not.
0: I wasn't sure. Um, it, I don't think so. They were in an empty area, but I don't think they were ever in Paris, Texas. Um, I could be wrong for sure, but I don't think that was Paris, Texas. But I do think, again, where he stops, why he pulls over there, is that desire. It's It represents – what could have been, right? Like, I, it's hmm. supposed to be where he's going to move his family, they're going to start their lives there, and everything's going to be great there. And so, it's vacancy, the emptiness uh, is self-reflexive, that he feels empty without them, he feels alone, the lot never gets the, the things built that he was supposed to. I mean, it's... This movie um, is super, super deep, um, which is not surprising when you look at who the writer is. Um, I, I am sadly not as familiar with Sham Shepard... As I should have been, but he has written a whole bunch of movies um, that people have lots of praise for, as well as he is a playwright, I believe, first. And um, uh, this movie is a really, really great example of the quality that he can do because it is insanely deep. Um, some of the stuff that goes in there, including that foreshadowing I mentioned, the monologue that both characters deliver, and how they how they frame those monologues with uh, the mirror in between them, and, like, there's a part where she's up against the mirror, and his face, you can see her hands, but his face in the reflection, yeah, oh my god, that... I loved
1: that. I wanted to say also, though, because there's a point where they, he and Hunter are in a little, it's a one, it has one, like, flashing caution, like, I've lived in a town like that, but um, he goes and gets very drunk, and then I don't even understand where they're staying. They're staying in like some empty room with a couch overnight. What was that?
0: Um, a yeah, room. It looked like it was like, uh, like a waiting area at the laundromat, and they just okay. camped out there. Um,
1: he, he tells the story that his dad embarrassed his mother, always introducing that she was from Paris, and everyone. you know assume that it was France
0: yeah and then he would wait for the opportune moment to say Texas um yeah and you know that you would never bring a fancy woman to a place like this and uh Hunter asks about that and you know what I think now is a really good time to jump into Hunter um Hunter when we first meet him uh, creeped me out didn't like him at all I was like, "This is gonna be a really hard movie for me because I don't like this kid." Um, and the actor's name is also Hunter. I didn't realize that his name's Hunter Carson. Um, or I guess I said it, but I didn't. It didn't click. Um, but by the end of the movie, I love that kid. Um, he really won me over. And did he creep you out? I don't know. I think just the way like they they presented him because um, he kind of like walks down the stairs weird and like the way he's dressed and even his hair he had kind of like a children of the corn thing going on you know the blonde (laughs) hair um and i don't know i just didn't like like he felt real spoiled you know i
1: didn't i don't know if i felt like he was really spoiled i felt like here's this guy that's coming and saying he's my dad and i don't even remember him and he's here and he's up you know my life is becoming whatever and like I don't know him but he wants to be my dad you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah but I'm not even
0: I don't feel like that was the case at the beginning like I do think as the days moved on um, of course he quickly turns around I I love the scene where uh, Harry Dean Stanton's talking to the maid and he wants to know what a father looks like and that she helps him kind of get dressed up and there's a whole conversation about rich or poor dad and she said there's no in between it's one or the other And, um, then he goes to meet Hunter at the bus stop or not the bus stop, but outside the school. And the first time that happens, the kid gets a ride from a friend this time. They walk together, but on separate sides of the street. (laughs) And I love how they're like mimicking each other and, uh, kind of mocking, but loving fashion. And, um, it's really playful, really endearing. And then finally, after they've walked blocks, they join and they join in the middle of the road and they walk together and, you see that bond instantly from that point on and um from that moment hunter starts to win me over and i don't know maybe it just i don't know uh the initial performance of hunter felt like a kid actor who wasn't really an actor you know just like a, they found a kid um but as it went on i he was impressive i really liked him and i thought um the relationship that he shows with paradine Stanton is very genuine um, which I, I would love to take credit for this. I read an article from the Criterion. Uh, I wish I remember the website. It wasn't the official Criterion website, but I think it's a website that reviews the Criterion movies. Um, like, I think exclusively, because it's the Criterion something. And they had an article about this film, and I read the guy's interpretation or girl's. I, I honestly don't know who the author was. Um, I have to get better at that, but um, I didn't have this thought. But they point out that um, the kid wanted walkie-talkies. Right? Mm-hmm. And there's that cute scene where he's sitting in the back of the, the truck um, talking to his dad in who's driving with the walkie-talkies. And mm-hmm. it's cute. And it's, I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, look, he's using the walkie-talkies. That's funny. But it's foreshadowing, again, because when Harry Dean Stanton has to tell his son that he can't be with him, how does he do it?
1: It was a recording.
0: A tape recording. He couldn't talk to him directly. He had to talk to him through electronics. Um, and again, not my thought, but I was like, wow, that that makes perfect sense. Um, because that, that scene, like the kid sitting in that very nice looking hotel room, listening to the tape and looking sad, but also like, like he understands, like he knew it was going to happen. Like there's this level of maturity, this eight year old shows in that sequence that it was... Pretty impressive, in my opinion. Just, um. I mean,
1: I don't know, because it was 1984, but mm-hmm. I felt like that was, like, borderline, you know, child neglect.
0: Oh, yeah, no, 100% I'm just neglect. Like, what yeah. the
1: hell? <laughs> that could, could. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they're lucky he's a,
0: he's a good kid, because he did nothing yeah. wrong, apparently, like, the whole time. Uh, he didn't Anything? clean up. Yeah, he no. ate. He didn't. He left the ketchup on the TV, which kind of bothered me, but, you know. Um. <laughs>
1: Um, I want to, and now I'm going to talk about it and I'm going to forget. Oh, I don't understand why Anne, Anne or Anna.
0: I I thought Anne, but.
1: You're probably right. Why Anne told him about where Jane was or that she was still in contact because this whole time, the whole time since he shows up, she's nervous that he's going to take away Hunter. Mm -hmm. And then she like gives him a lead.
0: But she gives him a lead. Not Hunter. I don't think she thought he would take Hunter. Or more, I don't think she thought Hunter would want to go. Mm, um, I think okay, she was baiting baiting him to leave. And um, it, it backfired. Uh, which, I like how the movie doesn't dwell on that. There's the phone call. And, you know, they're upset. And that's the last we see of them. We don't see Anne or Walt again. Um, there's no... They don't call the police. There's no drama there. The drama is the family like they knew and Walt knew from the beginning like he is his father she is the mother it is not right that we just keep him yes we love him but you know we he, he, we want their there to to be back together um and we see the super eight footage of the family and at one point they were clearly happy even if it was only a facade which is definitely the implications um and we see the heartbreak and I love that the kid recognizes the heartbreak in his father Um, Watching that? Yeah. Like, he watches him watching it. And then when the movie ends, the kid's standing right next to him, but then walks away. Like, but he's clearly, like, uh, just, there's so much about the movie that I really, really like. Um, It's subtle, but it's, there's so much information being conveyed with, you know, without a lot of dialogue. And there is a lot of dialogue. I mean, there's some really long monologues in this movie, um, but they're all great and they're delivered so well. And Harry Dean Stanton... Man, he just brings this, like, quiet heartbreak to the screen, you know? Like, you feel bad for him, but he never looks hopeless. Even when he's at his worst at the beginning of the film, there's this, like, maybe he can come out of this. Maybe he can pull himself out. And he I think he does. And by the end, when you see him kind of orchestrate the reunion of mother and son, and he's watching, like, waiting. Um, Again, these aren't my words. This is the same article. Uh, how, like, we see his silhouette. And he's like the all-seeing father making sure his son is protected from a distance. You know, orchestrating the events before leaving him to be with the mother. Um, even though there's no way he could see into that hotel room from where he was standing. Because uh, he wasn't using... We don't see him holding the binoculars that we've seen him use throughout the film. Um, so there's no indication that he's like truly seeing his son. But that he sees his son. Like he knows his son is safe. He knows mother has come to him. Uh, that Which, by the way, that embrace between mother and, and son uh so heartwarming and heartbreaking the way the kid walks up and like even pulls his hair back for a second like making getting it out of his eyes so he can truly see is this really her is she really here and then wrapping his arms around her and then her doing the same to him and uh, it's just so sweet um and there is a level of heartbreak that the family doesn't come back together but it's also it's such a redeeming quality in Travis's character that he knows he is not good for them. He is the reason that they were separated. He's the reason that she was unhappy. And he chooses to give them each other and go alone um, rather than ruin something great. And I mean, think of the self-sacrifice because he clearly loves both of them infinitely, you know, like so, so much. I don't doubt that for a second. But he loves them enough to let them go, and that's there's hope in that sad ending, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> and uh, you know, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of scenes. This is a long movie, so I mean, we could get into a lot, lot, lot of stuff. But
1: I loved all the scenes in <laughs> the, the weird strip club she worked at.
0: Yeah, the uh, with like the the sets that they've built, and um. The first two times he goes, um, is, uh, is really interesting because the first girl is not the right girl, um, but each set's different. Like, I think the first one was the pool side, and then it was, um, I don't remember what the second one was, but the the cafe is where the, the big monologues happen. Um, I don't remember what the first time he sees Jane, if it was just, like, a room or something, but, um... When you we see it from her perspective the third time. Because you don't see it from their perspective. You only see it from where he is. But the, the when the monologue flips, we're in her side of the room, and you see that the wall is not even finished where the mirror is. Like, the insulation is expo- exposed. Because they don't see that. It's all the illusion. It looks so polished and everything um, from what the uh, the men see. But behind that, nope. It's dirty and nasty. Um, Probably it's, some yeah, personagens exactly.
1: floating around. Um hmm. I don't uh, she could have gone and gotten she could have gone and gotten hunter at any time, but she abandoned him.
0: She did, but she she kind of explains it and she she thought he needed you know a more stable environment. Him. and she was a kid still. I mean that's important to note. she's not like a 35 year old woman who gave up her son. She was a 21 year old who was in a severely dysfunctional relationship and she felt broken um, and not capable of taking care of Hunter. It wasn't a lack of love and we know because she called all the time. We were told by Ann that she called all the time and then about a year ago she stopped calling but has been sending money every month, you know, like clockwork. And it's not always the same amount because we know what she does for a living. That job probably fluctuates heavily. You know, how often she's getting paid and um in a very sketchy i guess it's a strip club like it's i actually was very grateful that it was kept tame uh i wasn't sure when that when he walked in there because there was a couple women who looked like they might have been naked but you can't you never see them it's yeah. always from a distance but um i thought it was they managed to introduce this very touchy sensitive uh subject tastefully um even they, they never uh, over-sexualized Jane. She goes to take her sweater off, and he tells her no. He gets kind of upset. Like, don't do not do that. Don't take your sweater off. Um, and she's kind of thrown off by that, because I'm sure every other guy is probably like, yeah, take it off. Hurry up. you know.
1: And I know that she explains it when they're having their long discussion, but I don't know how she doesn't catch on or hear that it's him. Even after she says that every man that comes in here has your voice, like
0: Which, I love that line.
1: And um, you know that th- he's like telling their story for so long before she gets it, and I'm like, how bad do you repress your memories?
0: Yeah, um, well, she, m- she may have thought he was dead, like everybody else, you know.
1: Oh, fair enough.
0: Um, fair enough. Because especially if she had been talking to Anne. Um, they probably like, well, we think he might be dead and that might even be why she stopped calling that, you know, there was no hope of bringing the family back together and, um, she was just going to support Hunter financially. Not that she was really supporting them, but helping as much as she was able to or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a tough, there's still some mystery in this film. They don't attempt to tie all the loose ends. Um, they leave some intentionally ambiguous um, there's a lot revealed in that monologue at the end, but, um, the way he tells it, it, it is, even, like, you're pointing out, too, that her not catching on right away, it's possible that, one, maybe she was oblivious to some of his side of the story, um, mm-hmm. and that's why she didn't catch on right away, because um, it's not till he says trailer park that she seems to start to click that it could be him, um... And that's surprising because some of the descriptions early, you would be like, "Well, how do you not know?" Like you said, but it could be that she never realized how jealous he was, or maybe she didn't realize why he was quitting his job over and over again. That
1: is just, I. Uh, that is just so psychotic to me.
0: <laughs> I've I've known people like that. Um, no, I, no. No, I I've witnessed couples who are like that, where they they are self destructive. Um, mm. They feel so. This need to constantly be up each other's butts metaphorically and maybe literally i don't i don't know what they do in their own time but um that it is it's it's scary you know it's that scary love where it's like at that point is it is it love or obsession is it yeah yeah and um it is it's it's something that's hard to relate to but i've i've witnessed it you know i've seen people call into work because they want to spend the day with their and not just once like a lot and you know some jobs you can call into and no one will care you have you have you know people in place to cover your shift but other jobs you know like waitressing and retail you call into those jobs you are usually screwing somebody over severely um and those are usually the jobs that i knew that people had and it sounds like Harry Dean Stanton's character, Travis, didn't have a career, per se, so he was probably screwing people over whenever he wasn't going to work, and then was just quitting after a while, it sounded like. But, um, yeah, I, I think I've said all I want to say. Is there any other areas you want to uh, touch on?
1: I just thought she was so beautiful, and I feel like that's so weird, <laughs> but there's just something about her that I just wanted to watch her, and I liked that she never was over the top, and I feel like she used the method well, you know? No, I'm kidding.
0: Well, no, the great I mean... method
1: from the thoroughbreds. I just felt like there Uh-oh. was something about her, you know?
0: No, I don't know. F- for sure. I want to
1: see more work with her, and I was looking at her, you know, mm-hmm. and there she was in a Roman Polanski film, which he's a creep, but, you know, um, and he was in Cat People, which... You know, she wasn't cat people. but mm-hmm. there I don't know what it is about her. There's just something so...
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I love that you, you're you saying that, and she was never, like, slutty dressed. You know, she was wearing a long pink sweater that was kind of like a sweater dress, and then the second time she was just wearing, like, a black... Like, I think it was a dress, but it wasn't... Um, you know I mean? It was never like she was naked, or, or... And even when she goes to see Hunter, she's wearing a nice motherly-looking dress... And she still has that, you know, like, look at me kind of uh, attraction or something about her. And it's it's impressive in a way because what she's doing as, you know, her career, she doesn't look like she's overdoing it. Like, the, the first girl that came in when he asked for the blonde with straight hair and she's like a nurse where her, her nurse's outfit is like unbuttoned to her belly button, essentially. Like, clearly playing the role of a stripper where... I never felt that way about Jane. Jane didn't look like a stripper other than where she was, you know. Mhm. But wow. yeah, um uh, just really terrific performances I think all the way around. Um a long movie for sure, but there's a lot to be studied and analyzed here. Uh, definitely uh redeems some of the Criterion Collection after, you know, our mishap with uh, whatever that movie was called with Tim Roth and um
1: The movie that shall not be named.
0: Yeah, I don't remember the name because it was so forgettable.
1: (laughs) We're repressing memories. Yeah. Um, there. I think that there's a part. I'm sorry. I always am like, yeah, I'm done, and then I remember everything. Um, there's a part where they're driving in the car, and you just see you're like looking in the windshield, and they're like looking out, and he's driving, and it's like blue flashing light, and I think that it like covers his face, but there's just I. I thought that the use of color was so beautiful in this movie. There and is a
0: lot in this movie of color.
1: Like, the grass against, like, the, like, orangey-red desert, and I just, I just, that. And there, yeah. one of the dresses that I think she's wearing, is, or like a sweater dress that's, like, kind of a vibrant pink, and uh, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, yeah,
0: I think the sweater dress was.
1: Mm-hmm. I just love the use of color in this movie.
0: Yeah, and there's, like, there's neons at times. Um, it's, yeah, it's, the color's great for sure. And I really, really liked um, the some of the, the camera work. Like you said in the car, the, like, I've seen dozens of movies have people driving, but the way he positioned the camera, it almost looked like they, they were in a car where there was no windshield at one point and that we were, like, looking because the, we were looking at the character and then out the side window and, like, just the framing of it was really cool. And there is another sequence after after he meets Jane for the first time when he gets in the car with uh, Hunter, where the camera is like down in the middle of the car looking up at them, uh, which is unusual because usually a low angle shot's reserved for like making characters feel powerful or um, bigger or larger than life. And that moment didn't seem appropriate because it was almost defeated. He was so upset that he goes and gets drunk afterwards, you know? And yet we we start with those low angles of both characters, and I liked it. I thought it was really interesting. Um, and it was a cool shot. Like even if it if it didn't play with the norm, um, uh, that it was really good as a as a whole. So,
1: and Hunter made the decision to go back. It was to Houston, right?
0: Uh, he tells him, yeah. He says, go left.
1: <laughs>
0: um. But yeah, I, I, gonna go with uh, the must see rating for this film. Um, again, I really, it lived up to the the hype for me. Like I went in kind of expecting the, <laughs> hoping it was gonna be great, and I walked out, or I I turned it off, I guess, uh, and thought it was great.
1: Agreed. I get really nervous, and I think it was Alejandro that <laughs> commented. He's like, "Oh, such a great film," or something, and I was like, "Oh," you know, I get so nervous when. Everyone just loves something because I feel like so often when we go into these movies that everyone loves, I feel like more often than not, we agree pretty much that we're like, what's the hype?
0: I mean, sometimes, uh, for sure. And with a lot of these movies that have lasted for 40, you know, almost 40 years or what is it, 34 (laughs) years, um, (laughs) there's a reason that you hear about them. There, it's not you, you know, obviously, we didn't love Suspiria. And yeah. we didn't love Phantasm, uh, two very well-regarded horror films that just for us don't do it. We're more of a, a quiet place type of horror film lovers. And oh,
1: Babadook. <laughs> and I got to tell someone today that I'm pretty sure that's one of the best horror films made in like my whole lifetime. Mm. And they laughed a little, but I don't think they understand.
0: There's uh, Babadook is very well-received though. and um, It's one that that's I've been chance. actually probably going to rewatch in the near future, but... Um, I want the
1: book. If anyone out there ever sees it, please (laughs) contact me.
0: Well, uh, I say that in this case, though, the film lives up to its expectations. Yes. We must look to next week, which Corey picked this film. uh, Oh, gosh. And, oh, no, it's also we're going into another film that is highly, uh, highly well regarded with the critics. um, And I know my wife loves this film because I've actually not seen it from beginning to end, but I've seen parts of this with my wife. Uh, It is Coal Miner's Daughter from 1980, so just making the cut, too, for the 1980s movies. Um, It's a biography drama musical about Loretta Lynn, who is a country singer, um, who's played by Sissy Spacek, who is most famous for Carrie and, I think, Badlands, uh, the Terrence Malick film, Um, has Tommy Lee Jones in it, which is always cool seeing Tommy Lee Jones, especially back from 1980. Um, and That looks like all the big actors in this film, because everyone else doesn't even have headshots. Uh, Beverly oh, D'Angelo wow. is in this that's always fun She's pl- oh she plays Patsy Cline so that's kind of cool oh shoot Um, yeah and everyone else does not have headshots even so not normal actors I'm guessing they must have been cast just for this film it has an 87 metascore though uh, but only 6 reviews and a 7.5 IMDb user rating directed by Michael Apted um, I've seen again parts of this because my wife is a big country music fan so it's been on before I've not sat and watched the whole thing I am sure she will want to watch this one with me. Um, and, uh, yeah. So that's what we're going to be reviewing next week. We're going to be reviewing Coal Miner's Daughter uh, for our second episode of the 1980s movies that we haven't seen. Um, I will hint, though, I believe the the last two are both animated. Is that right, Corey?
1: I know at least one of them is.
0: Okay, I thought, well, the one you picked, I thought... Uh, I oh, thought.
1: yep, mine is, I okay. knew mine was, but I forgot what your pick was. Oh,
0: I see, it was the other way around for me. I knew mine was, but I wasn't sure what yours was. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but I thought it was. Um, I just still don't know. I had never heard of your last pick for the month. Um, just a little foreshadowing, listeners. Uh, we'll be getting into one Studio Ghibli film, and then one I don't know what it is. I'd never heard of it before Corey brought it up for this podcast. So... um what I'm here for. We'll be getting into those two movies soon, but for now... Uh, check out Coal Miner's Daughter with us, and you can email your thoughts about Coal Miner's Daughter or about um, Paris, Texas. Maybe you you listened to it, or I'm sorry, watched it after listening to us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can email us, contact at com. That's contact at com. You can follow us on social media. I'm at berkreviews. And Corey?
1: At Corey, our star.
0: And... If you like what we do, we really need you to help spread the word, share our podcast, retweet it, tweet at your friends, tell people about it. Hey, do you know what a podcast is? Not everybody does. It's very surprising to me because I am an avid podcast listener myself, which is how I even got into making my own. But um, we have other podcasts, our top five movie podcast. We're going to be doing our summer movie draft uh, like we did last year. I'm hoping that Corey and Mike uh, maybe bring a little bit more to the table this time. Um, Don't lose. Well, uh, not lose as severely. I didn't realize how bad I'd beaten you guys until I was getting ready for this one. I don't know
1: what I'm doing, and we did, like, a March Madness thing at work. I couldn't Uh, even keep up. I was like, guys, I'm out. I ain't got time for all of this
0: to keep up with my points. We're bringing in two extra guests this time, so we're going (laughs) to have five competitors. And um, I've given all of them a spreadsheet with some notes that I did last year to hope uh, guide everybody towards like the obvious picks for the 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 big money makers um but what it's also a great episode if you don't know what's coming out this summer because we go over basically 25 of the biggest films that are coming out over the next four months um as we draft them and compete um with the loser having to watch some horrendous film in the near future um most likely horrendous it doesn't have to be bad we can actually pick good movies if we want to it just seems like everyone's got a mean spirit when it comes to that (laughs)
1: I would just make everyone watch Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael, which I actually love, but...
0: <laughs> I've never seen it, so I would not be opposed. Um, Michael, why But, that said, uh, if you will, if you like us, rate and review us. Um, you can support us with Patreon. Uh, if you go to burkreviews.com, uh, click the support link, and you can go to our Patreon and subscribe for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, there are rewards for giving more. We would love to uh, have you as part of our Patreon uh, family definitely help support the podcast and i'm hoping to add some writers but i need i need some income to hire them so if you're uh if you're a fan of the show and you can give a dollar a month um i feel like one of those old tv commercials you know for nickels a (laughs) day um you can support (laughs) a poor podcaster who's a teacher on the side um actually technically i'm a podcaster on the side (laughs) but the other way but neither pay a lot so let's be real but um that's not why we do it, folks. We do it because we love what we do. But until next time, um, Corey, have a good evening.
1: You too. Bye guys.
0: Keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.